So this is a church planting. Begins. In fact, the Jerusalem hears about it, and Jerusalem's like, uh, "What's going on here? We don't. We didn't authorize this. You know, this is something God's just doing. They're catching up to the Holy Spirit, and they go up there and report. And, they, and Jerusalem, wow, you know, they eventually uh, put their blessing on it. But this is something that Paul has to make a case for. So you have they cross the culture, they plant a church, and then. They disciple the believers in Acts eleven twenty six. Now this is really important to notice. Okay, Barnabas it was a part of this. Okay, Barnabas was the one who gets up to Jerusalem, explains the whole thing, and Barnabas is sent down. I mean, they go up to explain it, and Barnabas is sent down by the Jerusalem people to check it all out. Now the word Barnabas, you know what Barnabas means? Bar is the word for son. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Okay, this guy is a, this is the kind of guy you want on your team. He's a you know, real pastoral heart. He goes on, he sees this is the work of God. But I need a teacher. I need someone to help me teach. He goes to Tarsus. He finds Saul, who becomes the apostle, who's the apostle Paul. And so they go and they stay there for a whole year. Listen to this, verse 25. Uh, well, 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus, looked for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Okay, this is the birth of so many things. This is the church. We're now seeing how the book of Acts is, is obeying the Great Commissions. So you actually have, they, they're, they're going out. Granted, the Holy Spirit had to like fire them out with persecution, but they went out. They shared the gospel. Somebody, we don't know their names. That's, that's what I love about it. It's not like you know, these aren't apostles. These are not the big shots. These are just people who said, we believe in God's word. It's so amazing. This is for everybody. Let's do it. They crossed cultural boundaries. They didn't quite have the language to explain it. They, they latched onto this kurios, Jesus is Lord, which becomes the first, by the way, the first creed of the church. They, they uh, and, but then these, these people start getting discipled. Now, once you get discipled, okay, Paul comes in, and we have this idea we have to also dispel. When you read the book of Acts, you actually think that like Paul is on like an evangelistic crusade. You know, going from town to town. You know, tonight I'm in Antioch, tomorrow I'm in Ephesus, you know, and, and, they, and they have like billboards that are going around. <clears throat> That's not what happens. It's a very slow thing. They'll spend months here. It's been a year, there's been a year here. And we can read over that. A year. A year is a year. It's a long time. They're discipling people. We often forget this. So when we, what we call Paul's, um, we call them often his missionary journeys, we should not hear them as evangelistic journeys, though they are that. They're also church planting journeys. <coughs> That's the, <coughs> excuse me, the heart of the whole thing. So here they are, <coughs> discipling. Acts eleven twenty six. <coughs> And then, in Acts 13, the new laborers are sent out. Now, listen to what happens in Acts 13. This church is now growing. Now, <clears throat> at this point, it creates a problem because up to this point, all of the kind of churches, the gathering of Christians were mostly Jews. So <clears throat> Christianity, put it quite bluntly, was a subset of the Jewish religion. So there's Judaism, and then there's a smaller group that actually believes that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Jesus Christ fulfills Jewish promises, Jewish covenant, etc. And that group, they are Christian, they're followers of Jesus. 
Uh, they were known as the people of the way. But at this point, when it breaks out of Judaism, what do we call these people? You know, there's no, we, have to have, we have to have a new word. So the word Christian is used for the first time. All right? That's what we're, we're told there in Acts. So now this is uh, Acts 11.26. Pebbles were first called Christians at Antioch. So you get to Acts 13. Now it's grown even more. More time has gone by. And we're told that in terms of Antioch, there are prophets and teachers. Okay, now, wh- why, where do they come from? Well, they were discipled. See, that was one of the points we made, that, that in the Great Commissions, you, were, you had to discover what your gifts were. Part of the work of the church and discipleship is to spend enough time with you in a, some kind of training mode, however it happens, for you to discover what your gifts are. And whatever those gifts are, you should say, the church can't live without them. You know, that's why I have them. If everybody had my gifts, the church would die because I have only certain gifts. We have to have the whole complement. Everybody has to have the gifts that are necessary. So they, there are some that obviously became prophets. Some became teachers. And then they actually list off some of the people. Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, brought with Herod the Tetrarch, and then Saul. Like, oh my goodness. This is really blows your mind. Because if you look at behind these names, these are names which tell us a lot. Believe me, I trust me on this, that nobody, no Jew would ever call their child Lucius. Okay, that is not remotely a Jewish name. They, and and that, that's how it's done in part of the world. You know, there's certain names that you give kids. Now, today, not everybody, they call your kids destiny and, you know, whatever. You know, everybody has to come these amazing names. But, you know, in the ancient world, it was very almost predetermined certain kind of what were the kinds of names that you could give a child. So a, like Simon mentioned earlier, Simon called Niger. That's a Jewish name, but he's clearly from Africa. He's a black African from Niger. Uh, Lucius of Cyrene, also a, um, a, a from Af- North Africa, which we say you know, like a Middle Eastern person, but he is a um, he's from Cyrene, so he's North African. But his that that's a, a Greek. Menaean, Menaean was the was the half brother of of Herod, so here's the person that's you know in the the household of Herod, and then you have Barnabas and Saul. So what you realize is, oh my goodness, we already have the very first real church. It's really on a pattern of like, go out and you know, do this thing. This emerging church is actually from the beginning a multi-ethnic church. Okay, we think it's something that happened like last Tuesday in the church. This didn't happen last Tuesday. The church has always been the most diverse movement in the history of the world it's been that way for centuries, and today it is, there's no, no movement in history in the world today that even remotely matches the ethnic diversity of the Church of Jesus Christ. So when someone ever like, sends you messages like that say in various ways that you know, the church is provincial, narrow-minded, you know, whatever, like, wait a minute, do you realize that the Church of Jesus Christ is like, I mean, so shockingly more diverse than any movement in the world? There's nothing like it. Nobody can even like stand next to it compared to the church. Languages, tongues, peoples, groups from all over every continent. It's unbelievable. It happens right here. And then they're worshiping the Lord and fasting. And then we have the Holy Spirit said. And what is that? 
mean? Like how many churches, like, when I say, you know, I went to church today and the Holy Spirit spoke to us. Well, you know, we have ways of like saying that, well, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke through this person. What, I don't know. You know, we don't know what this means. Is a prophetic utterance? Is this, you know, how does the Holy Spirit speak? These are all things that the book of Acts, like, this is normal to them. Like, this is not, they don't say, amazing, the Holy Spirit spoke, and this is a new thing for us. And I'll give you five reasons how we, you know, no. It's just like, we're, we're worshiping the Holy Spirit spoke. And says, okay, set apart Saul and Barnabas, the work of which I've called them. The whole missionary journeys of Paul, these church plan initiatives, come because the Holy Spirit directed it. And what's so amazing, we don't have time to develop it, when he actually goes out, Paul starts, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to, Paul, he's got a lot of energy. Okay, we're going to do this thing. And Paul wants to bring the gospel to the people he knows. He's like everybody else. So Paul wants to turn right into Asia. What does the Bible say? No, I've got a left hand turn in mine. I mean, that's what, that's what happened. Paul planned to turn right. The Holy Spirit says, no, turn left. Because it says the Holy Spirit would not permit him to enter into Asia. And he didn't mean by that, this is not Asia, the continent, but the region of that world, that time it was called Asia. He couldn't turn. He tries to go to Bithynia. Holy Spirit said no. It says the Spirit of Jesus prevented him from going there. So he's like, okay, this shows a Holy Spirit-directed mission. And then Paul finally goes to sleep one night. Okay, I, I, try, I try to serve God. You ever had this experience? Try to serve God, try to obey him, and then I get under these brick walls. He gets, has a dream one night. The mastering man. Come here and help us. Europe? Paul's not a European. I mean, you know, he, he's born in Turkey, but this is, that's, that's, that's a foreign world to him. Going, in, going into that world. Okay, now he's more prepared than any of his Jewish compatriots because of his background and all that, but this is, this is a stretch for them. We're going to cross the Seminthrace. We're going into Europe. So for whatever reason, in God's timing, Europe was here the word first. They cross over to Europe. Now remember he has a dream of a Macedonian man, right? They go to Macedonia, and who does he find? Lydia, a woman. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So here you have uh, a man called him over, and, and, he meet, and he meets a woman. And the whole, the whole of the European, which many of us here are recipients of this amazing work, because our ancestors received the gospel through this, the European church movement, which became the most vibrant church movement in history for many, many centuries till the current century, but there was a huge, amazing thing, happened and began with a woman, a maker of dye, who sat down by the, the riverside. And Paul, by the way, he didn't proclaim to her. He talked to her. It says that, I don't know how it's translated, but he talked to her on the riverbank. He didn't get him to get a pulpit, you know, and talk to this one woman. He just shared with her. 